welcome to JudgeCast. This is Sean Caranese, Level 2 from Sacramento, California. And I'm Ricky Hayashi, your knight in shining armor. Okay, Ricky. Well, thank you for riding to our <laughs> rescue here. Okay, so I want to get started on this topic because I've been saying I wanted to talk about it for like three weeks and we keep forgetting. What did we forget? Ricky? Way back we were talking about missed triggers and how, you know, how many... Warnings would you give out if someone forgot multiple triggers off something? Right. I said, well, I think there's a root cause clause. A cause clause? A, a cause clause. Really? In the IPG. Okay. And there was. It just wasn't in the missed trigger section because it actually applies to all penalties. Okay. And it says if there, you know, if multiple penalties occur from the same root cause, you just go with one of them. You go with the most, uh, I think, the most uh, severe one, I believe. So what happens if... Uh, so that, we're saying that that happens if you're missing your basically everything that happens at the beginning of your upkeep. I would yeah, I would classify that as the as the same root cause because hmm. it's I forgot the beginning of my upkeep triggers. Okay. So then you would just say, okay, one miss trigger warning. Please don't forget. Okay, great. Well, that's good that we've cleared that up then. Yeah. And we hopefully don't have not uh, resulted in any confusion where people have gotten multiple warnings for the same things happening all at the same time. Right. So if you have five bobs, you don't automatically get DQ'd if you draw a card. Without, you mean by missing the triggers yeah. by drawing the card. Okay. Well, good. I mean, you might get DQ'd because you have five bobs. Well, that's was, another issue. I was thinking that the best way to do that is to play Conspiracy Naming Allies and then play the Jawari Shapeshifter, and that way you get your fifth mob, and it's at the same cost. Okay. Okay. Why wouldn't you just say, like, Rite of Replication with Kicker? Or Clone. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have to, like, Conspiracy for Allies, <laughs> and then this Shapeshifter. Ha <laughs> Yeah, because I get my clone cheapers that way. Anyway, yes. So, Great. Glad we resolved that. So what else do we have to talk about today, Ricky? I don't know. You're the one that's got the mailbag thing, right? Oh, that's right. We've got our emails. We're going to start off with this this time. Yeah. It's all been planned out. Yeah, we have a plan, believe it or not. So so the first question, the first email we got was from Chris from Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And he had a couple of basic questions that we can punch out here real quick. Right. His question was about the World Weight card, Amulet of Vigor. And uh, with multiples, right? Have, let's just start with two because that's simple. Okay, if you have two amulets of vigor, and you play a land that comes into play tapped, enters the battlefield. I'm sorry, enters the battlefield tapped. It says so on the card. It says whenever a permanent enters the battlefield tapped, untap it. Untap it. Right, and this is a triggered ability. Right, it's not a replacement effect. We're not changing how the card enters the battlefield. Otherwise, it'd get real confusing. Right. <laughs> But it's actually a triggered ability that triggers when that permanent enters the battlefield tapped. Right. So you have a card, it enters the battlefield tapped, and then two triggers go on the stack, one for each amulet. Right. And it says untap that thingy. Mm-hmm. And then after each one resolves, you'd have the option of playing abilities or mana abilities or doing other yeah, things. So you can you can tap it in between. Right, because you have to pass priority back and forth before mm-hmm. the next thing on the stack resolves. So that means that you'll have the opportunity to play things, and that includes the mana abilities from the, the land. Then when that second trigger goes to resolve, then it'll untap again, right? Right. So you and it works this way, for, I mean, because it works that way, but it, it doesn't say anything about, you know, there's no conditional if or anything that ties it somehow mm-hmm. to the original state that the card enters the battlefield. Right. So yeah, if you have a Karoo, mm-hmm. it would enter the battlefield tap, two triggers go on the stack, you untap it once, tap it for two mana, untap it again, tap it for two more mana, mm-hmm. and then eventually some somewhere you have to return a land to your hand. Right, so you could actually return itself, and then use two of the four mana you created to play Explore, oh. and then play it again, and get four more mana. See, I really wanted this deck to work. Well, wow, you, you've just totally changed my entire outlook for Extended. Now I'm going to just be playing the the Karoos from Ravnica Block throughout. I'm going to totally just trash the Bant Zoo deck that I've got planned, <laughs> and I'm going to play the 4 Amulet of Vigor deck. 
I, I really wanted it to work, and I kept hoping that John Laux would come up with something, and instead he played the crazy Gibson, excuse me, Gibson given deck mm-hmm. uh, with like Project X combo mixed in. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, untapping Carew's bunch of times and returning themselves and then replaying them off of Explorers or Oracle of Moldires or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Could have been a contender. Could have been a contender. But probably not. No, not... No. Pete Yan, in his article, Yagmoth Whimsy, mm-hmm. mentioned that, you know, he wants to meet this other judge who keeps getting stuff wrong. I mean, this is a phenomenon you're aware of, right? Oh, absolutely. Where you make a ruling at a tournament and the person says, well, this other judge at this other tournament said it worked differently. We've got to find that guy. Yeah. Definitely. Um, the, the most important thing is whatever tournament you're in, your head judge is the final authority. Mm-hmm. If you have, you know, if you really think that the judge, you know, the floor judge is wrong, obviously you appeal to the head judge. If you really feel that the head judge is wrong, you can ask them politely, please, um, to confirm something. You know, I believe it works this way. Can you check, you know, the comprehensive rules or the IPG or whatever? Just be prepared that when that happens and when you do ask that. They might say no. Or they might come back and say, yes, I checked it. Yes, I'm right. That's, sure. that's probably I mean, a very likely outcome in most of those cases. So glad we cleared that up and glad we were able to talk about the difference between the two a little bit. Well, what else do we have in our mailbag, Ricky? We have, uh, we have something from Will in, oh my God, I wrote this down and now I can't read my own handwriting. Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah, that place. <laughs> that place. Yes, Tuscaloosa, I Alabama. I about to say Tallahassee. Not in Alabama. No, it's not. That's in Florida. Okay. So Will is it? Okay. <laughs> so my geography is just as bad as my math. But anyway, Will's from Alabama. He's an L one, and he had a question about leveling up. Right. How do you get from level one to level two, or how do you get from level two to level three? Um, those are good questions because as a level one, I'm sure he's looking to make that leap at some point in the future. Um, well, speaking as someone who just recently leveled up to two, and Ricky, it wasn't too long ago that you leveled up to three, I think maybe we can address this a little bit. It was just over a year. Mm -hmm. I just celebrated my anniversary. Well, congratulations. Happy anniversary. It's a fun anniversary because I actually, a year exactly to the day before that, I certified for level two. Oh. So this year, nothing really happened. Mm -hmm. I was, at this point, I was sitting around hoping that you know, they'd make me president of the United States or something, maybe by oh, now. But yeah, yeah. No, the there's is... there's still that um, have to be born in the U.S. clause. Right, right. They haven't gotten rid of that for Arnold Schwarzenegger yet. Right. Well, so that's actually one of the things that we can talk about a little bit here is that it takes longer, and this is understandable. It's from going from being a, a level one to level two, making that leap. It takes longer to get up to level three usually. Or I can't. Do you know of any judges that have made that leap from L two to L three faster than they made it from L one to L two? Not, not in quote unquote modern times, right? Yeah, and for for reference on what Ricky's talking about, there are some judges out there who are level two, uh, but have made that uh, sort of going from levels nothing to there wasn't even level zero then. They don't even talk about level zero in that context. But way back in the day, when I think it was Visions and Mirage and those sets. When you were taking the judge test, if you scored, you know, seventy percent or higher, seventy to eighty percent, you'd be a level one judge. Eighty percent to ninety percent, you'd be a level two judge. And some of the judges that are still active today certified with that program, so they made level two immediately, and they haven't really leveled up since then. But they're still a level two because they're still active. Like that. I think there was a lot of ad hoc promotions going on back mm-hmm. in the day. We have a much more structured program now. Yeah, you got to put in your time and do the work. Mm-hmm. Well, what's what sort of work is that though? I mean, to go from say level one to level two, as well, somebody who can certify a level two, Ricky, what what is that? What do you look for? The most important thing in terms of level two is mentoring judges. Hmm. You could probably say that about all levels going up from there, but it's the I feel it's the number one distinction between level one and level two. Right. It's a major way that somebody contributes to the program and shows their value. 
Yeah, and it and it did not used to be this way. Level two used to be they they called it the bigger, shinier level one. Like if you've been level one for a while and you're really, really good and you know your rules, and well, okay, you're level two now. Mm-hmm. But now we really put this focus on because we've given level twos the ability to certify level ones. We say, look, you know, one of the most important things with level two is certifying level ones. So show us that you would be good at this, right? That you're interested in it and you yeah. have the drive to do that yeah. sort of thing. And that's, I guess, one thing that I'm trying to show. And part of the, you know, being a part of Judge Cash is, a, I think, a small part of this. But in bigger terms, it's going to stores in my area and saying, well, do you have a certified judge on your staff to help run your F&Ms? And if you don't, well, let's find somebody who's capable and, and, and interested in that position. And if you do, well, great. Let's make sure that they're ingrained into the program. We have a great opportunity for that locally here because we have so many stores that are all part of, you know, the Wizards Play Network, and we have a bunch of other locations and other play groups that, you know, are, are hungry for somebody to can who can bring that sort of authority and rules knowledge and leadership to their groups. So, you know, there's well, a lot it's of... it's been kind of a wasteland, right, Sacramento? Well, I mean, we just don't have a wasteland. I don't know about that. I mean, we... We don't have many rules advisors and judges that are running these FNMs or that are running playgroups or that are that are at least present at them and that can mediate the conflicts that come up or the disputes between well does this card work this way or that way. We don't have that right now, but I think we have a lot of folks that are just now getting interested in saying, Well Yeah, just you know, now. But yeah. I think over the past two years mm. Yeah, we haven't had many. I mean, it's been it, it, kind of who who runs Barter Town, right? That's Master right. Blaster. <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that reference, even though I know you have no idea what it means. What are you talking about? Oh, you know? Okay, that's good. Mad Max, Thunderdome, all that okay. sort of. Th- come on, all right. Come on, all right. So that's what level one to level two is meant for me, and, and I understand for, for Ricky a little bit too now. What about getting up to level three? What does a level two well, have to do? Well, let's still talk about level two. Okay, rewind. I'll go back to that. Because there's also the tournaments, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Kind of this community thing is important, finding new level ones. But it can be hard, I think, for a level two to just find new candidates. Sure. Uh, and one of the places you do that is at a tournament, at a PTQ, let's say. Because you're going to have people coming up to you or to the head judge of the TO saying, hey, I'm interested in judging. And that's kind of where most people start, I would think. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. And so an, an L2 at a PTQ, I think, has to be able to show, A, that uh, kind of customer service angle mm-hmm. of being able to tell someone who just walks up and says, I'm interested in becoming a judge, what they need to do. Right know the steps. Say, hey, why don't you take your rules advisor or you know, tell me why you're interested in judging, etc. Mm-hmm. And then once that person does volunteer at an event, the ability to mentor them on on site. Right. Understand what they did well, what they need to improve yeah. on. Shadow them on ruling. Say, hey, right. you might, might want to think about this. Or... Well, it's, so, it's taking those leadership roles, but on yeah. a one-to-one basis. And, and to be able to do that means that you yourself have to have confidence and knowledge. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't know what's going on, there's no way you can tell this other person what's going on. Right. Well, so are you saying that because I plan to play in the PTQ coming up here, that uh, I'm not showing good uh, L2 responsibilities? No. In fact, the opposite. I mean, you know that I like to play in a PTQ per season. Mm-hmm. And part of that is... Uh, I call showing the flag. Right. And going out and meeting people. Players too. Yeah. And, you know, we've had this talk about how playing against people and just chatting with them about judging has led to us certifying people. So I think that's also an important tool in our arsenal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about making level three now. We've talked, huh. we've talked a lot <laughs> about making level two. What, what does it take? What do you have to go through to get to level up in that regard? I mean, there's all kinds of different things, even even when talking about level two, because, for example, I think you worked, what, uh, two Grand Prix? Grand Prix Oakland was my second Grand Prix. Okay, so 1.5, we'll call it. Well, I've and done 5Ks and some other things before then, too. 
So. And it's not a requirement, right? Mm-hmm. That we don't say you have to work at a Grand Prix in order some to people just can't make to, it to an event like right. that. Right. Um, but it's so valuable, is what I feel. Mm-hmm. It's a good chance for you to learn from so many other people, and it's a good chance to showcase your skills. Right. I mean, you, we come away from Grand Prix a lot of times going, hey, that guy should really be an L2. Because mm-hmm. he showed some leadership, he showed some confidence. Took the initiative to do yeah. something that needed to be done. Nobody else was going to step up and do. Yeah, definitely. When those things happen, people get noticed, and they do kind of stick in your mind as well. Maybe he's worth you know looking into as a possible level up at some point in the future. Definitely. Yeah, it, I mean, some sometimes you get uh, messages from people saying, "Hey, I want to be an L two," mm-hmm. and like scratch my head and go really like why you know you, and i have to dig a little deeper right so if you're already showing that kind of leadership on the floor mm-hmm. and you say hey i want to be an l2 I'm like okay that makes sense in terms of l3 again like bigger shinier better um the l3 community right now has been talking a lot about this because L2s can now certify L1s. Mm-hmm. There's this question of, well, what do we do now? Well, we certify people to L2, but... Now, what do you, what else do you do now, Ricky? I mean, really, I mean, now that you're in L3, what? You, you've kind of been, you know, taking it easy, taking a break, not doing much at all. I just kind of do everything. <laughs> <laughs> right, it's complete opposite the, of that. So, so one of the things we, we privately talked about before... Was mm-hmm. I told you my kind of personal definition was that L2s can can be very proactive in their work. Like you said, you were talking to stores and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But in in terms of what you do, I said your proactivity and L2 being proactive is kind of within the box. Yeah. And then my definition of L3 was that we're the ones who draw the box. Right. Right. We show you what the limits are of what you can do. Because originally it was my idea to say, hey, let's go talk to these stores and see who they got. Right, right. And you you definitely took the initiative on this and have been gung-ho about it, and I've Mm -hmm. kind of been hands-off. But Well, you've been actually very active and and instrumental, in fact, in getting that interest generated in some places where we've we've gone. I think part of this is that as an L3, you know, it's almost your responsibility now to – um, take hold of the vision for how the DCI can grow, how the judge program can grow in the region. Right. Well, there, and there's a lot of you know bigger, the entire DCI program type of stuff. Mm-hmm. The discussions that happen among L3s. But yeah, in terms of this region, mm-hmm. uh, whether it be Northern California or California as a whole, you know, both Jeff Morrow and I, he's the L3 from Oakland. We put together the whole California mailing list. California judge mailing list. And that's another kind of L3-ish project because it was something we did to be able to reach out to people. Hello, kitty cat. Um, When we first started the mailing list, we sent out an email to all of the rules advisors in California and say, hey, we noticed your rules advisor. If you're interested in becoming a judge, you know, perhaps you would like to join this mailing list. Mm Mm-hmm. And that, that's not just Northern California. That's the whole state. Yeah. And it's not just the rules advisors either. It's people who are interested in becoming rules advisors. Right, so right. People who approach you. I mean, initially we sent the email out to the rules advisors because right. we have that list online. Right. But anytime someone comes up to us at a tournament saying, I'm interested in judging, we say, hey, give us your email and put mm-hmm. you on this list. And Well, that's a great tool for us in the, in the region too because – I think I've often seen it happen where somebody comes up to me and says, well, I'd like to be a judge, but I don't really know how to get started. And, you know, you give them the usual talk about, well, take your rules advisor exam, take these things online, get involved in, you know, your local tournaments, talk to your local TOs, your local stores. And then you never see them again. Right, right. I mean, you, <laughs> yeah. you've, you've told them to go read all these things online and take some tests and but there's no way to follow up with them or keep that sort of constant contact yeah. where you're, you're able to follow and say, you know, how are you doing? Yeah. That, that, that so, sort of context. So we still don't sense. kind of like stick our nose in and say, how are you doing? But if we put them on the mailing list, mm-hmm. they're going to get these things every once in a while. You right. Know, judging topics and discussions. Mm-hmm. Well, and it keeps everybody on the same page so that 
you know, that judge that ruled a different way on a different tournament. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. There's, it's, it's, it's been likely. good for education as well. Yeah. You don't get so many of the things where, well, you know, especially when you're talking about other local players, you, you can supply some consistency across a region at least so that, you know, everybody understands how do we resolve the Talos Paladin miscommunication or how do we resolve, you know, other other sorts of miscommunications or, or questions that players might have in more than just one place. So, okay. So that's, that's what L3 does. How do you get from one to the next? Because you kind of have to be led into the fold to be able to do those sorts of things. Start that mailing list. Start that, you know, to get those sorts of things going, you have to have a certain level of access. What, what, do, do you? I mean, I don't... Well, yeah, because you have the list of, you know, the list of rules advisors. Well, you the, have the list of... I'll tell you, this idea, we, we stole from the Spanish. <laughs> ah, it was espionage in our Spanish-California war here. Yeah, even before, even before we started this race to 75... Mm-hmm. Uh, David de la Iglesia, level two from Spain, and I were talking about how we can engage people, how we can get more candidates. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, well, you know, I talked to Carter and he sent out this email to all the rules advisors in Spain. And I was like, that's great. I'm taking that idea. <laughs> so you don't have to be an L3 to do these things. Right. Okay. But I, I do think that the, the fact that David showed this and had this idea and showed this initiative mm-hmm. is probably good for his future. Good. So, say. so taking, mean, taking the reins and taking leadership and looking for that opportunity to, right. to establish some sort of vision for the future of your region. I, I mean, when, especially if you're talking about the U S mm-hmm. there aren't enough L threes out there really? to cover all the regions. Hmm. And so in a lot of areas, it's going to fall on L twos. So some areas lack an L2 also, where there's you know, the nearest L2 to them could be two states away. For example, Alaska mm. has no L2, right. which is a problem because that means there's no one out there to certify new L1s. Right. So I'm working on this problem with Max, actually. We're, we're talking to the two main L1s up there, James mm. Rufford and Eric Heine, and we're we're trying to get them up to that L2 level because they have the interest. They, you know, they have right. people they want to certify. They're clearly the leaders of their community. Sure. But we just need to get their rules, knowledge, and such up to, up to snuff. So what about having enough L3s in the states here? What, where do you see those areas where we can improve that? Everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, did a, I did a study of what the highest level uh, judge in each state was. Mm-hmm. And the majority was you know, L1, L2. Right. And, and obviously, state doesn't correlate to region. Sure. Because we don't, you don't need an L3 in West Virginia. Or North Dakota. Well, North Dakota's got no certified judges. Well, no, right there's now. a little dispute with that now. I, I heard from um, one of the judges at the Pro Tour that there is a judge on the border of Minnesota and North Dakota. There's no, there's no resident okay. judge. All right. uh, Brian Hellevang does cross the border right. to work events, and he is actually working with a gentleman that you may be familiar with, Brad Nelson, FF Freak, Oh yeah, is interested in becoming a judge. So hmm. best of luck to him. Right, right. The Magic Online uh, celebrity. Well, he's a, he's a, Paper celebrity too now. Well, right, because he made it on the Pro Tour pretty pretty well. Yeah, good. But yes, as of like Pro Tour Honolulu last year, he was relatively unknown, and people were talking about him as the next LSV, you know, breakout star right. coming from Magic Online. And I think he's fulfilled that quite well. Okay. And so yeah, he wants to become a judge, just like LSV. There you go. Maybe that means he'll win a Pro Tour. Hmm. That sounds interesting. Well, so we actually had a lot of... Um, actually, there's... Sorry, Sean. There's one, one more thing in terms of... Oh, in terms of the difference between level two and level three. Yeah. Another thing that people say is that for level twos, a majority of your work happens at tournaments, mm. which seems pretty obvious. You know, you're judging at tournaments, you're mentoring people, you're testing people. Right. When you become L3... Majority of your work happens outside of tournaments. 
mm-hmm. which might kind of boggle your mind, like, well, what the heck are you guys doing out there? <laughs> right. But that's exactly it. Is Part of it, I think, is figuring it out mm-hmm. and doing it yourself. And, right. And engaging people outside of tournaments and thinking of what kind of improvements can be made to the program as a whole. Hmm. Okay. Well, hopefully that answers the questions that our listeners had about leveling up. No, definitely not. Well, (laughs) Uh, this subject is pretty in-depth. And, uh, I mean, like I said, we still haven't figured it all out. Right, right. And, and, well, if you have more questions about this, for comments about your own experience in in leveling up to level 3 or to level 2 and and what those changes made for you, um, you know, we can always answer those. And also, as we close out the mailbag here, uh, your questions are one of the reasons that we keep doing this. And so when you have questions about the rules or about rules interactions or player interactions or any of those other cool, interesting things that make your play experience good or bad or different from one to the next, email us about them and we'll um, you know, put your name out here on the air and also talk a little bit about those and hopefully give you the right answer to that question. You can email your questions to judgecast at gmail.com. But I want to rewind a little bit now to leveling up because we have some level ups to talk about now. Quite a few, in fact. Right. I think we briefly touched upon this when we were talking about Pro Tour San Diego. Last time. That we had uh, a full house or we had a straight Right. A straight flush or something. People made it certified for levels one through five all at one event, which is pretty unprecedented. Yeah. I I can't really think of a time where it could have happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So there there was a bunch of level ones. Obviously, at most big events, you certify a lot of new level ones. And globally, there are, you know, level ones outnumber the higher levels uh, in in a vast way. I mean, there are only five L5s in the world, and now six, I guess. No, there's four. Four. Boy, I can't get my numbers straight. (laughs) Very few level fives. Sean's playing the role of me this time. (laughs) Very few level fives. Um, One, two, five, three, sire. (laughs) See, he keeps laughing at my jokes, but I don't know if he gets them or not. That, to me, was a Monty Python reference. Yes, it was. Okay, (laughs) Even though I think you screwed it up a little bit. But what? No, no, no. He says, like, the king says one, two, five, and then the knight's corrected, three, sire. And you go, oh, three, and whatever. Right. You know, okay. They throw the grenade okay. or right, the holy five grenade. questions, three questions. Right. So we have very few level fives in the world, a few more level fours in the world, um, but what, and, and those serve a specific purpose within the judge program. A whole bunch of level threes, a few more L twos, and a ton of level ones. The, yeah, the number. I mean, five level fours, somewhere close to a dozen, mm-hmm. or f- five level five, four level fives. There See, we go. I'm mixing it up. Somewhere around a dozen level fours. Mm-hmm. I think it's like seventy or eighty level threes. A couple of hundred level twos, like maybe. 200, mm-hmm. and then the rest is level 1, so that's and like 1,500 or something. Yeah, some very large number like that. So we had how many people made level 1 in San Diego? Um, by my count, there were four. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Nicholas Yach, or Yach, or Yak, Y-A-C-H, yep. from Arizona. Mm-hmm. This is one of Eli Schifrin's guys. Uh, we had a Jeffrey Lee from Hawaii. Mm-hmm. I, see, I don't even know who this guy was, but um, Aaron Hamer worked with him. Yeah, Aaron is from Portland, but I think originally from Hawaii, so he still has family there and goes back. So he, I think he knew this guy mm-hmm. from that the other and two were, certified him right. at the Pro Tour. And then we had two from California. Right, go go California, beating out Spain a little bit more now. Alex Gwilt right. and Colleen Nelson. I personally did not see Alex, but I did work with Colleen briefly mm-hmm. on Friday. Very enthusiastic, talks a lot, and but has a lot of good thoughts. Like I was very impressed with some of the stuff that she knew. I was like, well, it's kind of rare to, to meet an L1 that knows some of this stuff or thinks about this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with regards to stuff like slow play. Mm. I mean, I, typical new L1 is kind of like, slow play? What is that? <laughs> 
Um, and then we had, I believe, two promotions to level two. Diego Sotomayor. Mm-hmm. And he is from Argentina? See, now I don't even remember. Is it Argentina? Look it up. Oh, dear. Now I have to go look it up. Okay. While Sean is looking that up, we'll see. I don't even know where Damien's from. Damien Beaumont. Damien Beaumont is from Mississippi. Oh. The reason I know that is because, uh, first off, he's got that good, you know, southern name, Beaumont. That's a that's a strong, strong name for, for a southerner. But also, it's, uh, oh my God, Diego, I'm so sorry. Di- and, and Diego and I sat down and talked quite a bit in Pro Tour Oakland, or not Pro Tour Oakland, Grand Prix. I just can't talk today. Okay. Diego Sotomayor uh, and I sat down a lot at Grand Prix Oakland and uh, talked about all sorts of things that were judge-related and some things that weren't. Um, and the whole time we were talking about his native country of Peru. And I feel really terrible that I, I confused that somehow with Argentina. I have the consolation that the person who certified him was Damien Hiller from Argentina. So I think, <laughs> that's the reason. I think I, I honestly I just screwed up there. Um, but yes, oh, Peru, Peru. So Diego Sotomayor from Peru. Um, I think he's one of one of very few L twos in his country. Um, we had, um, and you mentioned Damien Beaumont, an L two now from Mississippi, um, and he is again one of. Uh, only a few L2s in his area as well. And I think that's that's one of the reasons that... Uh, oh, wow. Damien's from Yazoo City. <laughs> Yazoo? Yazoo City. That's pretty awesome. All right. So, um, and then we have some people that made L3. Well, really just one. One. Uh, Talis Pittencourt. Right. And he's from Brazil. Yes, I know that. Okay. And he has been leading all sorts of amazing things there and... and uh, Really, you know, he, I was on his team a couple times in, in Grand Prix Oakland and also um, in the Pro Tour, and he was really a, a fantastic guy to work with, um, one of the most friendly judges to work with. And by saying he's one of the most friendly judges to work with, that's like saying, you know, <laughs> all the judges are very, very friendly people to work with. So um, that's like saying he's the smartest person at MIT. Like, he's a very friendly guy to say that he's a friendly judge. So... Anyway, um, and then we had- well, here's another friendly guy. Mm-hmm. Is Jason Lemahue, I guess. Right. Every everyone calls him Lems. Jason Lems, mm-hmm. and he's uh, very commonly on uh, the IRC channels. Basically, all the time he's up there as Lems, along with a whole bunch of other judges. But that's where I've seen his name mm-hmm. pop up most often. And, and we're talking about him because he was promoted to level four. Right. And this was kind of an interesting way. We talk about, you know, level two to level three and how that happens. There's this test and this interview and a lot of work that goes into that. And there's a ton of work that goes into making level four, but it, the way that the promotion was announced. There's no test. Right. There's no test. It was just. People, yeah, people think there's a test for some reason. Yeah. But to make level four, I mean, we were all sitting there at the judge dinner and, you know, Lems was sitting there at, at, at his table and yeah, he found out when we found out. Right. He, he, you know, Sheldon is talking about how level fours are the pinnacle of, you know, pillars of the community and they, they really work hard and do all these great things. And, you know, he made a reference to Dogma, I think, the movie where, you know, there's someone who's kind of the voice that everybody. Yeah, he was know, talking about the Alan Rickman character. Right. Who is the voice of God. Right. In, in Dogma. And he says, well, we have somebody like that here. And, you know, points to Jason. Jason's, like, you know, I think pretty shocked also. I mean, not surprised in the sense that, you know, I didn't think I deserved this, but surprised in the sense that, you know, this is... Why didn't anyone tell me? (laughs) Right. They like to do it that way. Yeah. So um, that was, uh, you know, fantastic to watch that happen. Uh, Someone just, you know, ding to level four like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, in an instant. Um, And that was... Pretty amazing to, to see that happen. And he, you know, when I say he's friendly, he always has this, he has this eternal smile on his face. Mm-hmm. And yet he's so serious about stuff. It's, sometimes I think he's like my opposite number. Because a lot of times I just walk around with the serious, like, scowling look on my face. But I'm just thinking of what kind of joke I can play on Jeff Morrow. Right, right. So That's... he's the opposite. Like, he, he has a very engaging, you know, friendly face, but very serious mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. about his job, his work. Right. And he's he is one of Steve Port's guys 
at a Legion events. Uh, so now they have two L4s, Jason and Ingrid. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty awesome it's team. The, it's the mecca of American judging. Legion events. Huh. For a while I thought we could compete, but uh, they brought us away. <laughs> well, nonetheless, it's good to have them as part of the family and, and in this. this yeah, and I, I'm looking forward to Jason being mm-hmm. in this Alan Rickman voice role. Right. Because one of the things they mentioned was that there's, there has been a lot of uh, secrecy, you know, about the L4, L5 process, what they do, you know, mm-hmm. how they lead the program. They're mm-hmm. saying, we want to have more transparency. Right. We want you guys to know what we're doing, what we're thinking about. And Jason is going to be in that role to tell us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having more communication and having him fill that role is uh, sounds fantastic. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. And we had one other person level up. Right. For the full straight right. house thing. Yes. <laughs> it's been a while since I played poker. Okay. I think that well, I know what we're doing next Friday. Oh, I'll cream your butt. <laughs> so the the L5 then? The L5 promotion, David Vaujean mm-hmm. from France. Right. And he, he makes that fourth L5. Right, because they've been, quote-unquote, retiring L5s mm-hmm. to right. emeritus status. Yep. Which is a recognition that of their contributions to the program, but also that they are not as active anymore. Right. People like Yap Brower and Heese and mm-hmm. Colin Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, David is now the fourth active level five, along with Sheldon Menery, Toby Elliott, and Ricardo Testatori. And kind of at the same time, they unveiled this idea of the pillars of the program, which are, Sean? All right, I put you on the spot. Yeah. It's, um, it's program, policy, Outreach and community. See, I could have guessed those, but I don't think I, <laughs> I, I, I do remember them talking about them at the judge dinner. I do remember those four words, but uh, you know, I, I think this is part of the the thing where you know we don't know what those mean just yet. We can kind of guess, right? I mean, right. policy. I think has, it's pretty clearly Toby's regime. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's. Acknowledged as one of the authors behind the IPG, the Infraction right. Procedure Guide. Right. I think even when we, I had a sort of a weird policy question come up at the Pro Tour, you know, and I had a ruling that got appealed to Sheldon, within two seconds of me talking to Sheldon about it and starting to describe it, he immediately identified it as a policy issue and said, walk with me, we're talking to Toby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, that's yeah, definitely it's, yeah. Toby so that's his, that's his pillar. Um I mean, I would have to say that Sheldon is going to be program mm-hmm. because at this point he is the senior level five Yeah, uh, in terms of his tenure. Mm-hmm. So he, he is in a lot of ways the father figure of the entire program, you know, along right. with Andy Hecht, who is kind of the liaison with Watsi. Right. So I think when you're talking about program issues like the direction of the program and things like um, sponsorship for pro tours, et cetera, that's got to be under Sheldon's. Totally. Sheldon's pillar. Um, I think Riccardo Tessitore from Italy, most likely the community pillar, mm-hmm. because that, that is, that's what he does. Well, and we all know that Italy has a pretty amazing community of yeah, judges. Yeah. They're kind of the model for a lot of what we've stolen from Spain, I think. I, I've stolen a few things from Italy. Yeah. Yeah, where they have... Um, you know, a, a tight knit program and a tight knit community that uh, you know talks all the time. Yeah, yeah. They have they actually have multiple mailing lists. Mm-hmm. They have so many judges that they can have like an independent L two plus mailing list of their own. Right. Which we may try to implement. I think in oh, a, in a year or so right. we might have enough momentum there. Um. But yeah, I, I I would have to guess that Ricardo is community, which. Yeah leaves David as outreach. Mm-hmm. And I think that was talked about at, at the dinner where, where David's uh, promotion was announced. Um, I think when, when his advancement was announced, they talked about him being that guy that's, there's, you know, there's no part of the globe that hasn't been touched by, by his. So am I the only one that kind of got a weird vibe off of Sheldon saying that? I, what do you mean? 
Well, I just mean no part of the globe that hasn't been touched by David. You don't take that like the the wrong way at all. Not at all. Okay, it's it's that he's <laughs> that he's put his boots on the ground in every country that magic is run in, and okay. that he's he's done it in an influential way. Yeah. What sense? Oh, come on. I'm not saying that that's what okay. Sheldon meant. Okay, okay. Or that clearly David, because David has uh, head judged multiple Grand Prix in Asia, right? Over the past few years, I think at least four or five by my count. Yeah. So it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But you can't say something like that without it creeping into your head, right? Or am I just completely perverted here? I think you're just kind of weird. Okay. Yeah. That's. Yeah, but I, I do understand what you're saying. I mean, I've been touched by David Bojan. I have not shaken his hand. I don't. I'm not touched. <laughs> so outreach, right? Right. Which Pause I for think awkward silence here. Which I think means kind of two different things. There's outreach to the players, mm-hmm. and then there's outreach within the community of judges to get more judges. Right. Right, and I think that's. Uh, this whole outreach into the judging community and trying to build more judges is uh, something that, that I'm really interested to hear more about in terms of w- what do they plan on doing. They already have some things that they've talked about. I mean, just the FNM program uh, that's ending next month. Um, where yeah, it was you know, a big outreach program. Absolutely. And you get people that are certifying just because, wow, I want to be a part of this and I want to grow. And, it, you know, yes, I get some foils too, but it's what that little – yeah, you know, sort of that sort of kick in the butt that some judges needed to get certified and to get into the program and really become more involved, and to just have judges playing as well. Like right. I said, showing the flag. Right, right, and, and you know, creating a bond between players and judges. That, mm-hmm. You know, we actually interact on a more relaxed level, not just the "here's your penalty" level. Exactly. So that's so, that's great. So my question to you now, mm-hmm. knowing what the four pillars are. What what pillar do you think you belong to? Oh, I don't think you can belong to a single one. I mean, if you're you were to approach any one of the four guys that are you know listed there as the the, the five L, the, the L fives, they'd all say, "Well, I do these other things also." And every L three, every L two does basically every piece of that. You know, they. <sighs> but you don't think that. There's more of an emphasis well, what in, in we, each of us. Okay. Well, like the way I think of it is like, say, a basketball player. You know, the four pillars of playing basketball, you might say, are dribbling, shooting, defense, and passing, let's say. Okay. Some guys but most, dribble more most than Most players sure. are going to have more emphasis on a certain skill. Okay. Well, I guess the obvious choice for, for me then would probably be outreach. I mean, look at what we're doing right now. Yeah, you know, yeah, I what agree. What we're doing right now. And that's where I immediately thought of, yeah, of and, myself. And so, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that's one thing um, that I'm and know, I And I think in. outreach and community are kind of closely related. Because once you reach out and make new judges, mm-hmm. your job doesn't end there. You want to take care of them, which is right. community. right. Right, making making it feel like the DCI is the family that we we say we are. Yeah. Okay. Well, good. Uh, I think we've talked a lot about the different levels and what they mean to us. Um, do we have anything else today, Ricky? Well, it is Oscar night. Okay. Well, I think it's well, going on as we speak. In honor of Oscar night, being that uh, it is, you know, we're actually at the less than one hour mark, which is unusual for us. Okay. <laughs> We've been running, you know, much, much so longer. So let's chat a little bit about movies. What's oh, your, what's your well, Oscar pick? Actually, you know, oh, if you, you want to talk about, else? you know, you want to talk about movies, uh, there is a rumor out there that uh, there is an MTG movie in the works. I, I've been hearing this rumor for several years now. Oh, right. I, I just can't get over the, the hope that I can watch Samuel L. Jackson say that he's tired of all these damn snakes on his plane. But, okay. You know. I mean, a lot of people, when you talk about this idea that there could be a magic movie, mm-hmm. they get all defensive or worried or like, oh, that sounds like a terrible idea. Mm-hmm. I have no idea why. Well, I think that there are there's a good precedent for uh, games 
and toys and other things turning into really bad movies. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to disparage uh, Mr. Michael Bay here, but the Transformer movies have both been pretty pretty terrible. Okay, but um, does does a terrible Transformer movie lead to existing Transformer fans leaving the franchise? Well, no. I hated those movies. I still love the original cartoon. Sure, right? sure. Okay, well, that's that's fair. I don't think anyone's going to stop playing Magic because that movie was terrible. Well, all it can no. do is bring more people to the game. Well, I think people will be brought into it, but I think the people that it brings in are going to be less tied to the rest of, of what makes Magic players long-term players in the game. So, so what? Stop being so elitist. Like, it's going to bring the wrong types of people to the game, right? That's kind of the argument that okay, I hear. Okay, I can see what you're saying there. I can see that We don't want them Pokemon people playing Magic, right? Like, mm. uh, the, or Yu-Gi-Oh! Like, we heard that last year when the Yu-Gi-Oh! Uh, right. players received invites to Nationals. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, when UDE was in the middle of imploding and, you know, the... the yeah, all that, all that horrible stuff I'm, was going. I'm on. saying, what does it matter? Get them into the door. If they're not interested, then they'll leave. But if they are interested, like that's more people playing Magic, and that's kind of my thing. Is like, why we should do everything we can to get more people playing Magic. I mean, Duels of the Planeswalkers, fantastic right. quote unquote gateway drug for mm-hmm. people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It, it, we have to attribute that. To the uh, we have to attribute the success of Zendikar and Worldwake partially to duels of the Planeswalkers. I think that there's some credit people to be shared there. Sure, sure. So I, I, I see the magic movie. If it happens, it's the same thing. Okay. It's not going to pull everyone in. Like the Dungeons and Dragons movie with Jeremy Irons didn't suddenly make everyone RPGers. Well, and but it couldn't have hurt. Like even if it like one percent of one percent said, Oh, what's this Dungeons and Dragons and picked up a book or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not saying it's cost effective, but Well, I think some of the players fear their favorite hobby or game or pastime as being set up to be ridiculed. By, for instance, if this movie comes out and is panned in critical circles or whatever else, um, you know, it becomes, it can become an added stigma for somebody who's associating themselves with that. And then you have to always qualify when you say, when somebody says, oh, you play magic, isn't that what that terrible movie is all about? You know, with the, oh, like all the kids let like their planeswalkers because they have, you think you have a spark in you? Like, you know, it, it can be some yes. sort of a... <laughs> right. I mean, that's that's one of the things that we imagine, we talk about. We, that's the, the part of the vorthos of the game. But it's... Um, you know, it, Having that feeling of, well, I don't want this thing that I love to... I don't want to see it drag through the mud. Like, you know, you feel some sort of attachment to that and a reluctance to let somebody else take over some creative control over it. And it's different from creating a new set of cards because creating a new set, you know, you can play with it, you can't. You can decide whether or not you you play with a certain set. Like some people opted out of Kamigawa because of the the flavor. They just didn't like that flavor, didn't feel like it felt like magic to them. Couldn't pronounce the names. Well, that too. (laughs) So, you know, some people opted out of that, and they could do that but still play their game. Well, if you... You don't have to see the movie. But everybody else who has seen it or has heard about it or... It's putting a large reputational risk for the game out there. You know, it's... it's, the, The game is now being, you know, if there's a movie, and this is all speculative at this point, but it looks like that might actually happen. If that movie happens, that's one big perception that everybody's going to have about it. And you can't really take that back. And you also can't, you know, flavor that in some way and say, well, you know, only look at this part of it or only use this part of it to understand your perception of my my favorite thing. So okay, I think there's, there's, some, there's some trepidation there for some people. I mean, I think it'll probably be terrible because I think all movies are terrible. But 
you don't think all movies are terrible. You have you have peppered this entire episode with quotes. I mean, granted, they're classic movies that you're talking about, but you you have you know tried to trip me up and you know catch me at not knowing my Monty Python or other references. I I just you love movies. You do, and I think and I that, love to hate them. Right, but when this one comes out, you will love it too. Yeah. Like down down with Avatar. Right. Well, I, my vote was for Her Locker. I didn't see Her Locker. I loved that movie. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll end up seeing it. Good deal. Well, with that, thank you for listening to another hour of Judge Cast. We appreciate your time, and we appreciate all your questions. If you have more questions, if you want to send us an angry message about how we just wasted five minutes of your life talking about movies and MTG possibly being turned into a movie. So no, that's that's going to get the most responses. I think it probably will. People yeah. are going to be like, oh, the movie, blah, 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 blah. Right. But your rules questions and, and judging-related things are really what we're focused on here. Um, and anything that you have uh, with regard to that, we're happy to hear. Um Glad to get those emails from you and hopefully talk about it here on the air. Our email is judgecast at gmail.com. And we'd like to also thank um, Music Alley and Mevio.com for the bumper music today. And um, also Great Escape Games, who's been hosting us from time to time as we record these. Uh, we didn't thank them last time when we did record on their site, so this time when we're not recording on their site, we will thank them. Um Let's see. Do we have anything else, Ricky? Um, our host sites. Oh, that's right. We're hosted on both mtgcast.com and mananation.com. We want to thank uh, Chris Otwell at mtgcast and Trick Jarrett over at mananation.com. With that. Well, I also want to thank um, Tom and Eric, the mtgcast Monday Night Magic hosts. They, they gave us a shout-out a few weeks back. Mm. And I'm just finally catching up because I listen while I'm while I run. Right, right. And so they gave a shout out to Judge Cast as a, a new podcast to listen to, and mispronounced my name. So thanks to thanks <laughs> for that, Eric. Right. Oh, and one last shout out to my wife Lindsay. Thank you very much for letting us record here at the house, uh, keeping all the cats and other folks quiet uh, while we do this, and also for letting me um, go to the Pro Tour and the Grand Prix. Thank you, honey. <laughs> so, signing off. This is Sean Catanese. I keep it fair. And Ricky Hayashi, I keep it fun. Thanks for listening.